listening to the EVs for Everyone podcast. My name is Elena Ciccatelli, an award-winning automotive executive, and I'm so excited to introduce you to some of the most dynamic thought leaders the EV economy has to offer. Listen in on honest conversations I have with the leading electric vehicle experts and uncover critical insights that will help you jump ahead and stay there. The electrification race is officially on, and these conversations have never been more important. So whether you're an automotive executive or just an EV enthusiast, this is the podcast for you. Let's get started. My favorite friend Michelle is on the show today, and this is such this is such a good time. I'm already having a good time, and we didn't even start the interview. So Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, and I love to be a favorite friend. It's my all-time favorite. Yes. Well, we're going to talk about EVs, obviously, but I need everyone to know about your background and how awesome you are in automotive. And we were joking before I hit record for just a couple of people in the audience that does not know who you are. They need to know who you are. So, Michelle, talk about your story. Talk about your background and your journey in the automotive realm. My journey in automotive. Well, thank you for that. Um, I'm sure there are many people that don't know who I am. So for those who don't, I'm Michelle Pierog. Um, I work in the automotive industry and have done so since, let's see, 2002. So I started a little bit late. You know, I had my children and um, they were getting a little older and I started a career at a local auto auction. Um, So I worked 17 years at an independent auto auction and I learned so much there. I mean, I learned everything about people mostly. Uh, I'm still not, you know, cars really aren't my thing. People are my thing. Um, And I went from signing over titles up to director of national sales there. And then, you know, I moved on to IAA, worked there for a couple of years. That gave me a little bit of a, um, that gave me a little bit of a a more of a a global perspective to the market. Uh, I really enjoyed that. That was more of a, like a commodity selling and my primary position was to work in the remarketing realm. So vehicles changing from one hand to the other. So currently I am CSO of Park My Fleet. So we're building mobility hubs all across the country for different verticals, um, for mid-mile delivery, last mile, logistics, and then also different types of verticals like car share, ride share, any vehicle or any asset that needs a property support um, in any way. That's either like domiciling or deploying or vehicles that need to go somewhere before they, you know, before the chain of custody changes. Um, and then I'm also a strategic advisor for privacy for cars. So those two companies kind of complement each other very much. You know, we work on the other side, you know, the privacy piece and managing uh, people's information in the vehicle when they change hands. Um, I do want to bring up the fact that you had an awesome project that you did. It was called Charge Across America. Just tell folks a little bit more about that because I just love this idea and I love that you were a part of it. Yeah, that was super cool. So that was about a year into Park My Fleet. We were talking to different OEMs. And at the time, if you remember in 2020, EV was going to be huge within a year. Like everybody that you talked to were going to have deliveries of hundreds of EVs the next year. So anyways, we were talking to some different OEMs and it came up about infrastructure and understanding infrastructure. And there was just a casual banter about, wow, wouldn't it be cool to kind of do like cross between Amazing Race and Cannonball Run? in an EV, like just to see exactly what it is that we're dealing with. And so, you know, we, Mike Landau, the CEO, uh, we got off the call and we're like, we should do this. Like, it'd be really interesting. And, and what a great way to really find out, you know, what the infrastructure is like in the United States. So we did that. It was a full production. It was a 10 day race. We, we, um, 
we had five teams. So we did, you know, we just, just like a real TV show, you know, we had auditions and we had people come on and say why they thought they'd be a great team. And we picked kind of a interesting sampling. So we had two teams that were like EV experts. They really understood EVs. They, they had done long drives. Then we had three teams that were novice and less than novice. Like had we had one team that had never even sat in an EV ever. So it was super interesting because it was not as much a cannonball run in that we were trying to see who made it the fastest. It was more of a strategic understanding of the infrastructure. So every day they had us, we left from the same place and they had to get to the next mark. Um, and we would take their time and we had, we had some uh, telemetrics in the vehicle so that we could understand what was happening with them. And um, they had certain rules, like they couldn't go X amount of miles over the speed limit, of course, because of insurance things. And they had to just strategically plan their routes, right? And then we put little caveats along the way, like they were they could get extra points if they sh- if they ate lunch at a local place, or you know. And there were interesting things that happened, but it was a s- amazing and you know almost unrepeatable project. But I think that the biggest takeaway for me was just that. The collaboration was completely necessary between businesses, the consumers, and the government to make it all happen. Like, we're going to need that. And we saw this collaboration happen with the teams where the experts, even though it was a competition, were helping the people that had never that had never been an EV. And it became um, a really collaborative and amazing event. So you can watch it. I think it's still on YouTube. It was uh, televised on NBC Sports four or five times. It's really cool. We were hoping it was going to turn into like a 10-part series, and who knows, it could happen at some point. But there was a there was a lot of um, there was a lot of recording done, and there you know there was a lot of great things that we could talk about there. Oh my gosh, I feel that that is just a, an episode in and of itself. And yeah, I do need to go on YouTube and and check it out because I've I've heard you talk about this like multiple times now. And I feel that I'm missing out big time by not seeing it. So tell me from start to finish, what was it like? Did you, did you get a used Tesla? I think you did like bring me up to speed on what the experience was like. I think you're super cool for not getting a Tesla. Just to let you know, the reason I got a Tesla was probably because of charge across America. So Uh, Lanita and I, we drove in a Tesla because we had to kind of like the pace car. We had to be certain about the infrastructure and the charging. Everyone else that competed was not allowed to drive a Tesla. They uh, they drove different vehicles. We had a Volkswagen ID4. We had a we had an Audi. We had um, a couple Ford electric vehicles. We had a Porsche Taycan, um, and we had a, another vehicle. I can't remember exactly. Oh, a Polster. So what we wanted to do, I mean, we know that the network for Tesla is there. Like it's it's easy, right? But for the other vehicles, it really wasn't. And that was the most difficult part was just the uncertainty of where exactly are the chargers? Then, then if I can find the charger, is it going to work? Um, how long is it going to take? Uh, so when I decided, all right, I think I need to dive in and get an EV because, you know, you got to you got to um, walk the walk if, if that's what you're doing. Um, I went for a Tesla because I said, I'm just not ready for a non-Tesla right now. So a little history about that purchase is that my son, my 30-ish year old son, uh, worked for Tesla for a while. So he's always been a big advocate and he works in solar now and his boss actually owned this Tesla. And he wanted to trade up to the next, he wanted to get get the S-Class. 
Um, and, you know, I don't, I didn't really have a preference of what I wanted. I just kind of wanted to get my toes wet. So he came to me and said, do you want to buy this used Tesla? Um, he'll give you a good deal, of course, you know, family and friends deal. And I thought about it for probably, I don't know, it was more than six months. And then finally I said, you know what? Eh, it's a used Tesla. Um, I'll buy it. You know, at that time when I decided in my head I was going to do that, I had been reading or listening that, yes, there are incentives for used Teslas. Well, lo and behold, you really have to read the fine details there because there's a lot of criteria around that, right? So you have to make under, I'm sorry, the vehicle has to be under $25,000. Um, $25, you have to buy it from a dealer. So this was a private sale and you have to make less than X amount of money. So I didn't qualify on any level, but I knew I was getting a good enough deal. And my son, um, his real uh, his real agenda about the Tesla is that I think he wants to buy it from me in a couple of years. And this was a way to kind of hold it in the family until he was able to afford it. Yeah. So he could so he could just, you know, just make sure that you're just uh, have have a little bit of experience and then I'll, I'll take over. Right. And I'm in the Northeast. So the Northeast is not flooded with uh, EV vehicles or um, charging infrastructure. So initially I kept my other vehicle and I just went, oh, I'm going to try it. If I don't want it, I'll sell it. Or, you know, I, I just didn't feel fully committed. And that's a luxury a lot of people probably can't, you know, can't afford or can't or don't have the time for or the means. And so I knew that, but I just felt like I want to really understand now I'm, I'm I'm in New Hampshire, so we have winters and snow. And what does that look like? And so there's some unanswered questions, right? So I got it in June. Um, the day I picked it up, I was with my niece, who's was she 23, and we were going to visit my son in Pennsylvania. And I said, let's just go pick up this Tesla and let's just drive straight to Pennsylvania, so that you know we're gonna we're gonna put our feet in. Let's put them in. And so she's up for an adventure. So we picked up the vehicle and we just started driving. And man, I learned a lot in that first six hour drive. I'll tell you that, you know, I mean, we didn't know the controls. She was pressing buttons. My chair was moving. Like it was, all <laughs> she was. we were like, how do we get the music to work? You know, right. all, all the things happened in that six hours in that ride that should have taken us six hours, probably took us eight. We had to stop two times to charge, um, it was super easy, but it also was different than I, you know, than I'm used to with a gas vehicle. Right. Uh, the first time we stopped was perfect. I mean, we both had to use the restroom. We wanted to get something to eat. We pulled into a into a travel plaza. You know, it took about 25 minutes. It was perfect. So we got out and we went, this is perfect. This is easy. Why yeah. is anyone complaining? Right. The second time we had to charge, it was, so now it was dark. Um, the charging station was in kind of a weird place. It was in this big mall in New Jersey in like a basement floor, which was fine, but also different than you're expecting, right? So when we pulled in there, I was like, this is a little interesting because, all right, say that it was cold and it, you know, or it was rainy um, and the lighting was not great. And here I am a woman. So like, this might be part of, part of why some women aren't adopting is that you just not, the safety isn't the same as pulling into a gas station, or at least it doesn't feel as safe because there's really nothing around there. So I think that might be one of the things. Yeah, no. And thank you for sharing that from like, just start to finish on what all went down because I love getting the real story and what actually happened, but you're right though. So again, before we hit record, just posing this question about this huge gender gap between men and women and why women are so far 
to the other side of not adopting EVs. And I think you hit on a really, really key question in a lot of women's minds is safety in a public charging facility and where are the wayfinding signs is it on the bot sub bottom part of the the basement like you said at a mall like and so man or woman i feel that everyone wants to be safe when charging a vehicle but i think for women there's like this extra heightened sense of ooh, like my spidey sense is a little bit tingly right now right absolutely and i do think that that's probably the biggest barrier because when I think on the other side, I can't think of too many reasons why otherwise they wouldn't want to. You know, um, you know, flash forward now, here we are, what are we in November, almost December. Since I've owned this vehicle, I have charged other than at my home four times. You right. Know, one was on right. that trip to Pennsylvania. Once was when we stayed at the beach for a couple of weeks and I had to go one time and charge it somewhere, which ended up being at a Panera bread. Um, one was somewhat locally and another was on a trip to Vermont. I'll tell you a story about that one in a minute, but only four times. So I charge at my house. So when I decided finally to sell my other car, my, my, uh, GMC terrain, that ice vehicle on the way to bring it where I was going to sell it, I had to get gas. And that's the first time I pulled into a gas station in four months and man, immediately adverse, you know, I pulled into the gas station and the smell I just am not used to it anymore. It's a, it's amazing how quickly you adapt to what it is that you're dealing with. So I do think that one of the ways that we could get more women or more people in general to feel more comfortable with EVs is they have to drive them. They have to experience them. They have to have them. And I know that, you know, um, John, John Passamato's um, business creates uh, that program where you have a EV that you essentially rent to own and then you have rented for a year and then you make the decision at the, at the end of that rental period to buy it, which I think is genius, brilliant, um, because it does so many things. It creates um, it creates that depreciation time where you're in the vehicle as a new vehicle, but you're not like paying really for the new vehicle. And then it gives you that year to get comfortable. And I have to say, it took me about it took me about almost two months to get fully comfortable with my EV, just the different gadgets and how it feels when you drive it. And even, you know, even the drivers around you, I mean, the drivers around you in in New England, anyways, they treat you a little differently. It's almost like, you know, a little bit like driving a BMW or some kind of car like that. They have a, um, they have a, a notion about the type of person you are because you're driving Tesla. There are so many things I could I could comment on. I'm like trying to narrow down <laughs> which one first. Thank you for the the John Passamato shout out. I know that <laughs> I know that he'll be thrilled. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. <laughs> so, um, question for you in this in this next year. So you're loving your Tesla. You're loving the experience. Do you? This is the this is the other big question. Do you see yourself being a repeat EV buyer, lessor person that drives an EV? Or do you feel like it was a one and done? Do you feel it was it was a good experience, but eh, I don't know, agnostic? What what's kind of your thoughts? Yeah, I think I'm a hundred percent in. Um I think, you know, because I charge at home makes a big difference. You have people that live in an apartment and things like that. It's not the same scenario. But but from from my, the way that I felt about it was just like getting like a new iPhone. You know, the day you get the new iPhone, you're like, where 
Where is this button? How do I figure this out? But once you know, you know, right? Once you know, you know. And once it's as user-friendly as that and it becomes your phone or your car and your experience has created, I mean, it's an experience that's built around you, really. Uh, It's hard to change that. I'd have a hard time changing from my iPhone to something else at this point. Does that mean that I don't think that there are other phones out there that are probably as good? Probably. But now my behavior has changed to match this car or this type of car. Um, I don't really ever want to go to a gas station again. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, the insurance is much more. Mine isn't that much more. I don't know if it's where I live. It's really not that much more. My electric bill went up a, a very small amount. Now, I'll be transparent. I work from home, so I probably charge once a week. Um, but I even think of, you know, people that pull into a gas station and then go buy things in the convenience store. Like, how much am I actually saving from not ever going to a gas station? I'm I'm sure gas station owners don't want to know that or convenience store store owners. But from my perspective, you know, I'm all in. And the few women that I do know that drive EVs feel the same. Do you have that experience? How do you feel? Ironically, being in the automotive industry, I'm not a huge car person, which is really, really weird to say. You know, it's like a lot of times I'm like, I just need it for me to go to A to B. And obviously I I don't want to pay a small fortune for it. Right. I'm not like looking for the craziest, fanciest, but for what I needed to do and how it drives, I'm like, this is perfect. I So again, I think it goes back to what you said about the experience and being able to make an unknown something a little bit more comfortable. And you're right. I love the I love the iPhone analogy. That's such a good that's such a good analogy because I remember, I don't know, maybe three or four phones ago. I I don't well, I've always had iPhone, but it was like right when the the newer, like bigger touch screen came out. And I'm like, I don't like this. This is we all hate change, right? We we hate new For things. Me, <laughs> least, like, right. But it's such a good analogy because I do feel like it's your phone, but on a way, way larger scale. Um, so I love this conversation. We could talk about this forever, but we will have to do an update episode. We'll do another one in 2024. I don't know when, where, or how. I know I'm going to see you at another conference. Probably going to... When When am I actually going to see you again? When? What, what conferences do you have coming up? I think conference is starting in January. I want to go, I want to do a ride along. I was jealous of the one that you did with Scott Case and you guys went to the drive through. I'm like, I, that's, what, that's all about me. Oh my gosh, we have to. Okay, so that episode. Let's rent, let's rent a car the next time we go to a conference, right? Yes, and we rent, yes. Uh, we'll rent an EV. Yes. And we'll do a little, I don't know, and we'll do a little ride around. And we'll do a ride around. We'll go get coffee. If you want to get a cake pop like Scott Case did, then we'll get a cake pop like that is fine. And yes, Absolutely. I love it. We're okay. Awesome. So we're, we're making that happen on the, the next, uh, the next episode that I have with Michelle. And we can also have some additional special guests as well. We just, just so many keep... people I can think of right now. I know, <laughs> I know. The... A little bit of like a cash cab episode with the EV questions if we have the right people in the car. Right. right? It's so funny that you mentioned that because when I initially was pitching this idea to Igor, Jimmy and Scott, I was like, what about cash cab? They're like, no, comedians in the car is getting coffee. And I'm like, all right, we'll go for that vibe. So that's how we ended up where we are. So for everybody that did not listen to that episode, it is episode 39. And we are 
recording this on November 29th, and that episode is happening on November 30th. So go and check out that episode. And of course, share this episode with your friends. Michelle, how can people get in touch with you? All of the things on contacting Michelle. Oh, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's for sure. LinkedIn, go. (laughs) Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's all you need to know. Perfect. All right. Excellent. So I'm going to put your LinkedIn link in the show notes. Michelle, thank you so much for your time, for your energy, for your friendship. I just love talking to you. So thank thank you you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the EVs for Everyone podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and subscribe to the show and leave a five-star review with a comment. We read every single comment, so thank you in advance. If you have an idea for an upcoming episode or you would like to be a guest on the show, go to EVs, the number four, everyone.com slash contact. That's EVs, the number four, everyone.com slash contact. Until next time, keep charging forward. Word.